Thank you for coming. We're going to turn our Bibles to the book, if you will, of Genesis. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. Let me encourage you, if you will, to keep this outline. There's enough study. Listen, there's enough Bible study in this outline to take you months into study. I've, I have a lot of scripture here. I, it is going to be covering, it's going to be covering thousands of years and a lot of, of, of current things that's happening, contemporary things that, it, it, that is even now taking place. So please take your outline, keep it folded up, put it in your Bible or somewhere to where you can spend time studying. By the way, I will uh, probably not finish this today, so bring it back with you next Sunday. We'll, we'll still have some ava- available to you. And so uh, let, let's, let's love the Word. Let's study the Word. Let's, let's read the Bible. Let's meditate upon it. And it will give you strength. It will give you encouragement. And there is healing. There, of course, there's salvation within the Word of God. There is nothing like God's Word. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Sinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortars, mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. I want to read that again. This is their thinking. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see uh, the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Verse 6. And the Lord said, Indeed, people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, it is name is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the earth, of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Father, bless the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts. Reveal to us, dear God, this great mystery of Babylon, this great wonderful truth that the church is to be aware of today. And we will praise your name. Amen and amen. Look at your introduction. Read it with me, if you will. God's end-time program for, for Babylon has its roots in the historical account of the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11 records humanity's first worldwide rebellion against God. Here we learn of mankind's rebellion against God's command to scatter 
throughout the face of the earth following the flood, and that's found in Genesis chapter 9. Under the leadership of King Nimrod, Genesis chapter 10, mankind instead gathered in the land of Sinar for the purpose of building a city, not only a city, but a tower to reach into heaven. God's response to this collective rebellion was swift and certainly decisive. And according to 11 and 5 through 9, we just read it, God's response, uh, God frustrated this worldwide apostasy by confounding human language, thus inhibiting the builders from communicating with one another. How would you like to get up in the morning, have a construction job, and go to work where there's about 25 people, ask the guy to pass you a brick, and you couldn't, he could not understand you what you were saying? Or how would you like to be at the office with a number of employees and you go in that Sunday or that Monday morning or Friday morning and someone starts talking and you have absolutely no idea what she or he is saying. Or how would you like to go to school and you go into your class and your classmate begins to talk and you say, I don't know a word you're saying. And nobody understands nobody. Well, that's what happened. Babylon, Babel, interesting words. Let me, let me mention a little bit about this word Babylon because it, it is from here. And, and John the Revelator covers it extensively in the book of Revelation. Babylon is synonymous with the opposition to God. No matter who they are, no matter uh, what they call themselves, no matter what religion it is, it's all Babylonian or all tied in to Babylon. It is a religious, Babylon is, and not only a religious system, but it is a political system. It has both a historical and a theological role. It is a very important study when you study this word and this city and the meaning of Babylon. It is a symbol of the evil system representing the kingdom of the world that is in opposition to God. And you'll find, out that, find that out throughout the scripture. It is a spiritual symbol representing a, uh, a problem with deep within the human heart. So when we are in rebellion, when we are filled with pride, when we're practicing the, 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 the lust of the flesh, we are practicing that, that, that religious theological system called Babylon. Uh, the Babylon system is about to collapse. If you would read in Revelation, and we may go there, I'm not sure. Uh, Babylon, old Babylon, how it has fallen. I love what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 29. Call together the archers against Babylon. All you who bend the bow, encamp against it all around. Let none of them escape. Repay her, that is Babylon, according to her work, 
according to all she has done due to her. For she has been proud against the Lord. So there is no question when you study and look at this study of the book, of, of the name Babylon, that it is, it even is tied into the Antichrist and the end time. Now here was a group of people. It happened after the flood, after Noah's time. And of course, most of us understand that God told Noah and God told Adam and Eve to multiply and replenish the earth, populate the earth. They were to do that. That was God's command. But these people thought opposite. They were not going to do what God said to do. And, though, and so they said to themselves, let us congregate together in the place called Sinar, the Mesopotamian area of the world. And let us build ourselves a tower that will reach into heaven. Now, a lot of people are trying to get to heaven other than through God's way. And they think this religion, this act, this doing is going to get them into heaven. But there is only one way to heaven. And that is through what the Bible says, knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. They said, let us build a name for ourselves because we don't want to be scattered. They were thinking, no doubt, of the flood and how that things were scattered and how things happened. And so they were wrong. I want you to think as we're looking at this of three words. Will you? Number one, think of the word pride. Number two, think of the word rebellion. And number three, think of the word confusion. Because pride led into rebellion, and rebellion and pride caused confusion. God confused, confused their language. They could not understand each other. Not only did God confuse their language, God scattered them. When proud men set themselves against the sovereign God, God always wins. Look at Roman numeral number one. Let's talk, if you will, about pride. Pride. What's the origin of pride? Satan's pride was the first sin in the universe. Wow. I'm going to say it again. The devil... Satan's pride was the first sin in the universe. Now, where did the devil come from? Let's read, if you will. The great prophet Isaiah says in chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. The devil, Lucifer, went on to say, I will be like the most high. 
yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. When God Almighty created all things, he created the angels. There were three archangels. There was Gabriel, there was Michael, and then there was Lucifer. Lucifer was one of the archangel. And he was there with all the other angels. But something happened to him. He became proudful. It's quite a bit of reading, but stay with me. If the person next to you is going to sleep, look over and say, wake up, we're going to hear something real good. Ezekiel gives us a great description of this man. Moreover, the word, Ezekiel 28, 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyre, Tyre and say to him. Now, this is an analogy of Satan. It's spoken of the king, but yet it is, a, it is spoken in most, all Bible scholars believe that this scripture addresses Satan, Lucifer's attitude. Notice as we go. Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and the emerald with gold. Think of all of the beauty of Lucifer and the greatness of Lucifer. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. This very verse causes some people, and I don't doubt it, to believe that, that Lucifer, when he was an archangel in heaven, was the choir director. He was involved in music. And when he was thrown out of heaven, he brought that ungodly music to the earth. You ever hear it? Ungodly. You ever watch the videos? Ungodly, satanic. Well, he knows how to do that. He was the origin of that. He, he started all of that. He started the singing. And that's the reason that we worship God and our affection and goes toward God rather than toward the devil. And the flesh, God's worship, addresses the spiritual man. Satan's worship addresses the fleshly man. And people will do things as they get into this hypnotic stage of ungodly worship, pull off their clothes and all kind of things. This is what God says, verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within. And you sinned. 
Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. God said, I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Wow. God didn't create the devil the devil, but pride made the devil the devil. But this is where he was. He was there in heaven with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And yet pride entered to Lucifer's heart. And God threw him out along with a third of the angels and he threw him to the earth. The atmosphere of this earth, he controls. You wonder why things are like they are chaotic. And In fact, let me tell you something. When you read Genesis chapter 1, and God created the heavens and the earth, what a great verse. Genesis means beginning. You find a lot of beginning in the book of Genesis. And God created the heaven and the earth. And then you go to verse 2, and the Bible says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. Many scholars, many commentaries believe that there is many years between verse 1 and verse 2 of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God don't form anything without form and void and dark. So between verse 1, many people believe that that's when Satan was thrown out of heaven to the earth and he caused the earth to rupture and to go into darkness and be deformed and chaotic. And any time Satan gets a hold of a life, he causes that life to be deformed and chaotic and dark and evil. God doesn't create anything that way. So the first thing you had with Lucifer, he turned into be Satan, the devil. God threw him out because of his pride and his rebellion. He fell to this earth and this beautiful, wonderful earth that God Almighty had formed became deformed. Chaotic. <clears throat> Darkness. Satan. The devil. One more verse on the fall. I love this one. I love this one. Luke, just very short. Chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus had sent out the disciples, and they had gone out, and he had sent them out to heal the sick, raise the dead, do, that, do all these things. And they came back rejoicing. <clears throat> they came back rejoicing. Lord said, slow down, don't rejoice. And they said, they, they said, even the demons are subject unto us. How, how about that? Well, that's power. <clears throat> that's, uh, that's ability. Even the demons <clears throat> are subject unto us. Jesus says, time out. 
I saw, look at it, look for it. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Well, you know, you want to know, you want to know the devil, about the devil? He's already fallen. And the only power he has is the power that you give him. The only power he has is the power you let him have. He's no match for sovereign God. Because he rebelled against God, this archangel, with all of his power. And he rose up against God. I will go to the throne of God. I will get God off of that throne. I will put him down. God says, what? Thump, and you're gone. And when the devil comes to you with all of his lies and all of his trying to destroy you, trying to bring fear and doubt, you trust God, <coughs> and God will say, Thump, get out of him. Get out of here, devil. Get out of here, devil. Get off of his body. Take that sickness and go. Take that sin and go. Take that uh, depression and go. Take that old, oh, all of these things. God wants to do that in your life. God wants to do that in your life. He was thrown out of heaven. Pride. Arjun. Satan. But let's, let's, let's go to man. Let's look at man. Man was created. God created man in his own image. Adam and Eve put him in the Garden of Eden and said, dress it and keep it. And God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with them. And they had a powerful relationship. I, I can't imagine, can't imagine uh, them with, with God and what kind of relationship. How would you like to just to walk with God? How many of you know we can? And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells, we can walk, we can walk, we can walk with God. God created man. And then all of a sudden, the serpent appears unto Eve. And he begins to talk to her. And he said, has God told you not to eat of the fruit? She said, of the tree of, the, of knowledge. And good, I can't, we can't eat of that. For he says, she says that they would eat, we eat of it, we will surely die. Let, let me read it for you. Hang with me. Let's read some scripture. Hang on. Look at it. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that the day you eat it, of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil, you pride. I mean, who don't want to be like God? I want to be like God. I want to know all things. And so here, stepping from Satan that was in heaven, that's now here on this earth, this same devil that God threw out of heaven is tipped in Eve and said, listen, if you eat of this fruit, you'll, you'll be like God. There are a lot of people in Washington think they're God. 
They act like they do anyway. There are a lot of Christians that act like they're God. Listen, we can't do nothing without God. That was, that was their goal. That was these people's goal. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to be successful. We're going to be secure. And we don't even need God. And that's what America has said to God. We don't need you in our schools. We don't need you in our colleges. We don't need you in the halls of Congress. We don't need you in our Supreme Court. And a lot of preachers is telling God, we don't need you in our pulpits. I can do it myself. You wouldn't even get up in the morning and take one step without God. You wouldn't take a breath without God. America has grown so independent from God. It's scary. Every empty pew in this church speaks of independence from God. Every empty altar with someone not crying out to God speaks to man's independence from God. You preach a sermon, you open the altar call. I don't need God. I don't have to have God. If I get sick, I've got the doctor in the hospital. If I need money, I've got Wachovia. I know. I can go to the Bank of America. Whatever I need. But we need God. I need God. I've been coming to this pulpit next March would be 50 years. I know how to do it. I can do it with my eyes closed. I know what to say and what not to say. And I could walk out of my office, shut my door and leave God inside. But I can't do it without God. I need God. When they kicked God out of the schools, took prayer and by, you say, how do we know that our schools are independent? Because they kicked God out with prayer and Bible reading. And every public place there is, they're trying to remove any thought of God. Anything about God. God help us today. Help us to understand today that pride, pride, man felt like he could do it himself. And then here in this 11th chapter, Noah's descendants. Come on. I know God told us to scatter. Replenish the earth. Let's not do this. Let's meet together. Let's have unity and harmony. 
and build a tower, build a city that will reach to heaven. We'll get to heaven certainly some other way. Pride is, notice what we have. Pride is, <coughs> is an attitude of independence from God, Proverbs 16. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spall with the proud. It's not a powerful two verses. I, 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 I want that to sink in. I want us to, to grasp that. Because you, you, you look at the world and we Christians can say, oh, they're proud. But if we're not careful, we become just as proud as they are. Allow me, please, to read it one more time. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Verse 19, better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Oh, oh, pride is an attitude of independence from God. An attitude of independence from God. We don't need God. One of the characteristics that Paul spoke to young Timothy about, he said, in the last days, men shall be lovers of pleasure. <laughs> and listing that, he says, and proud. God help us. It's a spirit of ungratefulness. I don't know when we've ever lived in America in a time when man is so ungrateful, unthankful. Listen to what someone wrote. An attitude of gratitude will change a person that struggles with bitterness. I'm talking about being thankful. I'm talking about being grateful. It'll change those that struggle with selfishness, self-pity, negativism. It'll change those that are dealing with pride. When we become thankful, when we become thankful, God will help us and he will bless us. Pride. Not only is it an attitude of independence from God, not only is pride a spirit of ungratefulness to God, it is esteeming ourselves better than others. God says in writing to the wise man Solomon, these six things the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a proud look. And then he goes on to mention the other three, seven, four. Listen, God help us to understand that if we display the spirit of pride, it is not a healthy spirit. God help us to understand. Now, I'm, I'm ending this because I'm going to end it here. But I want to end it on the two habits that overcome pride 
and selfishness. Two habits that overcome pride and selfishness. There's probably a, not a one of us here today that's had any Bible study whatsoever that the name of Nebuchadnezzar, it's a long name, I love that name, Nebuchadnezzar. Ironically, he was the king of what? Babylon. At that time, the greatest man on earth, the most powerful man on earth, He had his kingdom in what is now Iraq, the flowery hanging gardens, the great mansions, the great buildings, the great walls. And one day he, he was walking around and he said this, it's not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. You think he was proud? Proud as a peacock. Proud? Let me tell you, and I'll end this with this, as, as they come and get ready for some, some, some worship. I can see him. Listen at me as, as, as I'm talking. I, I can see him walking around with his chest out and his royal robe and his crown on his head. <laughs> this is the great kingdom I built. Everyone bows to me. I have all the majesty. And all of a sudden, something miraculously I won't read it because it'll take too much time. Almost something miraculously happened. He lost his mind. Nebuchadnezzar went insane. They kicked him out of the palace. And he was put out in the fields. And he ate grass like an animal. His fingernails grew so long. This man which one time was so powerful now is lower than an animal. Day after day, year after year, he stayed. Dew was on him. His hair grew long, matted, animal-like. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know who he was. But one day, listen at me, one day God restored his mind. And he went back to the castle. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, and at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And my understanding came to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. Now He's in His right mind. 
We're not necessarily in our right mind when we isolate and independent and proud against God. But we're in our right mind when we start focusing on Him. Honoring Him. He goes on to say, for His dominion is an everlasting dominion. And His kingdom is from generation to generation. Verse 35 says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed or nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Now, do you hear that? Listen to what He says. Great truths. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom and my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. I don't care how proud man gets. God can make him cry uncle. So the two things that you need to do when you're dealing with pride, number one, you need to look up and worship. I exalt thee. You want to get rid of pride? Worship him. See his majesty. See him as the one that is sovereign, that's God. See the one that flung the universe into its existence. That scattered the stars into their sockets. See the one that told the ocean, you can come thus far, but that's as far as you can come. See the one that took the dust of the earth and formed man and breathed life into him. See the one that lives with you, walks with you, talks with you. When you go through hard times, he speaks peace. Brother Mars, he's the one. I need him today. No, you just need him because you're going through a great trial physically. No, I needed him before that. Oh, you just need him because you need him in your marriage. I needed him before that. Oh, you just needed him when you were in school. I needed him before that. I needed him as a nine-year-old boy that knelt in an altar in Sampson County in Clinton, North Carolina. When I knelt down at that altar and I lifted my heart to God and I said, God, I need you. He came into my heart and changed me forever and ever. I went to Robin's Nest yesterday. I love Robin's Nest. That's a, that's a restaurant. It's down in Selma, North Carolina. You can get rutabagas down there. Now, I know some of you probably don't know what rutabagas are. 
or you may not like voodoo beggars and collards and fat back. I shouldn't have done that because your mind has left me and gone to fried chicken. I know it had just as short as I'm talking. But I saw little Sean. He was a nice looking young man. He was with his grandparents. And I said, what's your name? And I don't think it was Sean, but it was like Sean. It was close to Sean. He was the nicest looking little boy. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm eight years old. I said, let me tell you what happened to me at nine years old. And I told him about my relationship with Jesus. His grandmother said, now, Sean, you remember that. Don't you remember accepting Jesus Christ? He said, no. no. But I remember, I remember playing the drums. I said, do you play drums? I play drums. He said, you know how long I've been playing drums? I said, how long, Sean? He said, ever since I was four years old. Smiling, beaming from ear to ear. Happy that he works in church. And no doubt I believe he's serving God. We need him, folks. You need him. Every chance you get, call out to him. Get rid of pride, we must worship God. Number two, and I'm closing with this. Number two, it's an hour, so it's, it's a humble service to God. The writer of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, puts it this way. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Either you humble yourselves or God will humble you. Judy played for the offertor and he is Lord. He'll be Lord now, or in the future, he'll be Lord one day. Because the Bible says every knee shall bow.